I like movies. Uh, we've talked about that here before, and I know that many of you like movies. I, I don't get to watch movies as much as I'd like anymore. And with three young kids, uh, most of the movies that we watch have to do with talking animals and uh, animation and, and stuff like that. But I like movies. And, and one of my favorite movies that I, I saw in the past few years in the movie theater, might have been the last actually, which is kind of funny, was the movie I Am Legend. All right, I don't know if anybody else enjoyed that movie or not. I thought it was a great movie. Uh, somehow immune to an, an unstoppable, incurable virus. How about those words? Military virologist Robert Neville, played by Will Smith. You know the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, he is now the last human survivor in New York City, and as far as he knows, maybe even the rest of the world. But, but he finds out that he is not alone. That in the movie, there are these mutant plague victims who are hiding, watching every, every move that he makes. And Will Smith's uh, best, uh, or, I'm, excuse me, Will Smith is the world's best hope. All right, and I am legend. He is the hero of the story, and he is driven by only one remaining mission, and that is to find an antidote to this problem, to this mutant virus in the world, but it involves his own immune blood. Uh, in order to find healing, to find victory in the world, Will Smith has to shed his own blood. And the irony of the movie is that in the end, you know, the hero, Will Smith, he has to die in order for others to be able to find life. You know, that's really the message that we want to communicate today is that Jesus is the hero of our story. Jesus is the great hero of our story, that God sent his only son, Jesus, to this world Uh, to rescue us from the grip of sin. And his method of rescue, the mode that he chose, it was his own death. That that Jesus chose to die. That the story of this world, the story of our lives, God's story, the hero had to die. The hero had to die so that we could find life. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure that's the way that I would have written the story. I don't think you would have written the story that way either. Uh, It's why people living in Jesus, they had such a difficult time with his death because the hero wasn't supposed to die. You know, the the hero was to come. He was supposed to come and to enter the world like a king and and conquer and defeat evil. And that's the way that you write a good story today and that's the way that you'd write a great story 2,000 years ago. But the hero dying on a cross, no way. I mean, who writes a story like that? I mean, it's wrong. It's way too upside down. And whether we like to admit it or not, I, I think maybe, you know, maybe even many people here today still have a problem with the reality and the implications of that message that Jesus, the hero, died for the forgiveness of sins. My sins, your sins, and the rest of the world. And if you're honest with yourself, I think you have to admit that that message is just a little bit upside down. It's a little lopsided. But look at it this way. I mean, so much of what Jesus did and so much of what Jesus said was pretty upside down. His way of living, his teachings, you know, they didn't sound right either. They didn't make sense. And it's still true today. I mean, we read the things that Jesus said and we look at them and I think that almost seems like it's a little old fashioned or a little bit too hard to believe. You know, Jesus said all of these upside down things like instead of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, you know, Jesus said, hey, turn the other cheek. Or instead of hating your enemies, Jesus said, pray for them. You know, love them. Pray for those, even those who drive you crazy sometimes. Or how about this one? It's better to give than to receive. Now, Jesus said that. And we're like, seriously? I mean, the people then were like, seriously? I mean, doesn't that seem a little bit old-fashioned? I mean, who wants to live like that? But that's how Jesus lived. And that's the life that he has called us to. It was a little upside down, and it's a little upside down today. 
And so Jesus said all of these sort of upside down things. And I want to look at just a couple of statements with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to them, uh, turning them to the Gospel of Matthew. Turn to the first book of the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is recording for us all of the, the, uh, the accounts, the, the stories, the miracles, the sayings of Jesus from his perspective. Uh, he's recorded them so that we could read them and understand a little bit more about Jesus' life. I will say this, if you're here today and you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one before you leave. Back at our info hub, we, we've got a, a great supply of Bibles, and we'd love for that to be our gift to you. So if, you, if you're here and you don't have a Bible before you leave today, please stop by and we'd be happy uh, to give you one of those. Matthew chapter 16, you're probably wondering, where are we going? Which verse? Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 25, here's what Jesus said. Kind of an upside-down sort of statement. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. We we sometimes say that the Christian life is kind of like a paradox. You know, Jesus says to, to attempt to save your life in this world, you have to be willing to lose it. You know, the Greek word here for the word life is the word uh, suke. It's where we get our word psychology. It's referring to the soul. You know, that our life, our soul, it's the part of you and me that includes our personality, our dreams, our hopes, our goals, our desires for all things. And here's what Jesus is saying. A person who seeks to save his or her own life, you know, to satisfy these desires and these goals apart from God, in the end or at some point, will ultimately lose their life altogether. You know, meaning that if you're just about yourself, if you're about just trying to accomplish anything and everything in this world for your own benefit outside of Christ, in the end, you'll lose it all. You know, in the, in the midst of trying to save your life, you'll really lose your life. But a person, by contrast, who it willingly loses their life for the sake of Jesus, as what Jesus is saying here, can actually save their life. You know, Jesus says you must die to yourself in order to find life. Now, at first glance, that statement doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, how in the world do you find your life by losing it? It's it's kind of hard to get your mind around such an upside-down sort of teaching because from our perspective, death doesn't lead to life in this world. I mean, the way of the world is this. It's life is life. And if you're taking notes and you want to write that down, I mean, the way of the world, the perspective of the world is this, that life is all about life. That's our perspective. You know, this life is all you have. You know, you get one time around the block, so you might as well make the most of it. Carpe diem. You know, you bet I'll supersize. You know, I'll take everything supersize. You and I, everyone here, we're all trying to make sense of this life, and we all have that in common. Whether you like to admit that or not, we're all trying to make sense. We're all trying to bring significance into our life. We have that in common. You know, we're searching for purpose. We're looking for meaning in the here and now. It's about what I can get and what I can accomplish. Jesus knew and he realized that. He knew that 2,000 years ago. And he knows that again today. These words are still true. The very next verse, in verse 26, Jesus follows up that statement, that whoever statement, by saying, what good will it be for a man or for a woman if he or she gains the world yet forfeits his soul? Jesus is really saying, hey, what good is it? I mean, what good is it to gain everything that the world has to offer but to lose your soul in the process? I mean, does the one who die with the most toys really win? You know, does climbing the ladder of success really lead to anywhere if in the process you lose everything meaningful and important along the way? I mean, here's what Jesus is saying then and today. There, he's saying that there's, there's more to life. 
there really is more to life than what there some, sometimes appears. And that's what he's saying right here. There is more to life than the day-to-day motions and routine. There is an answer to this ongoing challenge that we all face, this challenge of insignificance. And I have to say that I think that's exactly what some of you need to hear this morning. Because you are here and life isn't working out as you planned. Your story and the way that the pages have unfolded, that the, the chapters that have been written, you would have never written the story that way. Well, guess what? Jesus is saying there's more to this life. There is an answer. And here's what Jesus is trying to get through to you and me. Jesus says real life is found when you are willing to die for yourself, to yourself. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Wow, that sounds really exciting, to die, to die for myself. And some of you that are new to all this thinking, if they even start passing out Kool-Aid, I'm out of here, you know. (laughs) We just do coffee, I promise. That's all we have. But seriously, Jesus says that real life, life with purpose and meaning, is found when we die. It's when we surrender. It's when we we say we're tired of living for ourselves. You know, we're frustrating and trying to find our own way. And that goes against the ways of most because we're all about life is life. You know, living it up for this moment. You know, and so you kill yourself in order to get that promotion. And you hold out everything till you finally get married. And you have kids and you hope for the big house and you finally get it. And maybe you wish for the boat and you get the boat as well. And there's nothing wrong with any of these things. I just need you to know that if that is all that you're living for in this world, you will be sorely disappointed at some point. It will be nothing but a great letdown for you. And for some of you, that's pretty difficult to believe because your life, for the most part, has been pretty smooth sailing. You know, and whether God is a part of your life or not, he's been blessing you in some great ways. And and so life, really, it couldn't be better. But others of you are like, "I, I get it. I'm hearing what you say. Because you're here today and you're nothing but disappointed. You know, and let down and frustration and insignificance and unfulfillment. I mean, that's your life. That's your story. Those, those words best describe where you are right now, whether anyone realizes it or not. Well, the world reinforces another perspective for us. Not only is life is life, but the world says that death is death. And the crazy thing about Jesus is that he described death as a goal to pursue. Jesus described it as a goal to pursue. We see death as an enemy to avoid, so we run from death. I mean, Juan Ponce de Leon went looking for the fountain of youth. We get Botox and take supplements and and we do whatever we can to prolong our lives because no one wants to die. We don't even like to talk about death. We don't even like to use the word death. And so we change the word. You know, we say that he's passed or or she's gone on or he's pushing up daisies now, you know, or he kicked the bucket. You know, that's that's what we say, because the word death, it's too final. But one day you will die. And what do you want people to say about your life when you die? I mean, things like she, she really loved her husband. Boy, she stuck by him even through the good and the bad. Or she was a great mom. Or if they say about, you know, he was such a generous person. I mean, he, he really took time for his family. I mean, I want people to walk by my casket one day and for someone to shout, he's still breathing, you know, help him out. Somebody help him out of there. I don't want to die. But one day you will die. You know, and, I, and I'll die. And what do you want people to say about your life when you die? 
but we'll all die and it's inevitable. But, and unless Jesus returns before your last breath, we're all heading closer to it each day. But let's face it, a lot of people, you know, they believe that when you die, it's just like, you know, they do your funeral and then go back to your house and eat fried chicken and stuff like that. And, and when it comes to an afterlife, we, we like to think that, that hell is just some place that, that preachers have imagined to scare people and that heaven is this fairy tale sort of place where, you know, we all get wings and fly around on clouds and stuff like that. I mean, we do. We get caught up into the, that type of a thinking. You know, life is life. Death is death. You live once. You die once. So live it up now because when you die, you're done. That's what we're taught to think. But guess what? We believe that there is another way. We believe that there is one, the hero of our story, of your story, of everyone's story, who has come, who gave his life so that we might find life. Something happened 2,000 years ago that changed all of that. You know, an event that flipped everything upside down. Jesus came, the Son of God. He's the hero of the story, and Jesus died on the cross to rescue us, to offer us the kind of life we've all been hoping for. And he didn't just die. And it's so important that you get this and realize this, and it's why we do Easter. He didn't just die. He rose from the death. Dead death could not keep him. And three days after his death, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus defeated death. In Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 6, we read Luke's account of that morning, that Easter morning, when it was discovered that Jesus was no longer dead, but that he was alive. In Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 6, follow along with me if you would. Luke writes, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He is not here. He has risen. I mean, it was on that morning that Jesus defeated the misconception That death is death. He conquered the grave. It's through his death and his resurrection that you and I are rescued, you know, from the patterns of this world. And that's the message of Easter, that death is defeated. You know, Easter isn't just about Cadbury eggs and peeps, you know, just as much as you like to steal them from your kid's basket when they're not paying attention. And I know some of you have already done that this morning even. All right. It's it's not just about that, but Easter is about his resurrection. It's about the truth that Jesus is alive and that death has been defeated. And and that leads me to the most important thing that I want to share with you this morning. And and if you miss it all, I pray that you get this one. One thing, and it's this, that, that it's not life is life. It's not just death being death. But Jesus has made death into life for us. Jesus has turned death into life. I mean, remember that first verse from the very beginning. Jesus said, you save your life by losing it. The, the Bible teaches that when we die, all right, that when we die, we find life. And that's true physically. Because when, when people go to your funeral one day, you won't be in the casket. Your body will just simply be a shell. And, and maybe you're thinking, okay, I get it. Okay, I, I understand what you're saying. I understand the point that you're, that you're getting to here, that someday I'm going to die. And someday my time will come and I'll die. But on that day, I won't really die because I'll be with Jesus in heaven. And I want you to know that's true. If Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, 
If at some point in your life, before your death, you invited Jesus Christ to be your Savior, then yes, the truth is, the promise is that one day when we die, we really won't die. We'll spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. But our message today is that death is life. And and that just isn't a comfort for you when you take your final breath one day. It's a confidence for living today. I mean, when Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, then it's a confidence for living today. I mean, Jesus Jesus isn't saying, you know, sorry about the grind on earth. You know, sorry about the day-to-day routine and stuff. I mean, bummer, dude. You know, good luck. I'll I'll see you when you get to heaven one day and things will, will all be better. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. The Word of God teaches this, that when you invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, it's like dying to yourself. It's like surrendering. It's saying, I can't do this on my own anymore. I'm not just simply satisfied with trying to climb the the ladder of success. Dying to yourself means to give in. It means to invite Jesus Christ to be your purpose. It, might, it means inviting Jesus Christ to be your reason for living, your strength, your, your hope. Here's what Jesus has guaranteed us in his resurrection. He has promised us the very most out of this life, that life isn't all there is, that death isn't the end of us, but that death is life, that when we die to ourselves and we trust Jesus, he has promised us more than we could ever hope for. It's, it's about our life. It's about your life right now that Jesus changes everything, not just in the future, but Jesus can change everything today for you. And I'm just wondering and hoping and praying that maybe some of you can find some encouragement in that today. Because you're here, and for the last 20 years of your life, you've desperately been searching for significance, you know, in a job or in a promotion or something. I think this is especially true for men. But you've been looking for significance in all these things. And for the most part, you've been pretty honest and and you've worked hard. And maybe you've made some money along the way. Maybe you've found some success. but, But you've made some incredible sacrifices along the way. And they've cost you a family, a marriage, maybe some friends. And so you're here this morning and you know and you can acknowledge that there is something missing in your life right now. Jesus, he he has promised that he can come, he can fill that hole, he can fill that gap in your life. He can help you find that significance and he offers you that life today. That's what Easter's about. Maybe that's what Easter is for, for you this morning. Or maybe your marriage hasn't gone as planned. Again, it's not the story you would have written. I mean, all of the promise of the dating and the engagement, you know, quickly turned after you got married or maybe it took years for it to fall apart. And you're not sure how, but maybe some of you, you're still together and it's for the kids and you've learned to coexist. Or, or maybe it fell apart recently or, or years ago. And it doesn't matter how long ago it's been, but there's still hurt there. There's still brokenness. There's still some ruin. And you just can't help but ask, is there a reason to carry on? Is there really a reason to think that things could be different? Well, maybe for you this morning, the message of Easter, the, the, the life that Jesus brings, the significance that Jesus brings is, is a reminder to you that, that Jesus can help you. He can help you keep going. He can help you find healing. You know, he offers you life and purpose and healing today. Maybe for you it's a financial crisis. And I know that we've got many of them right now in our church and 
over these past couple of years, many of, or many of you have experienced them. You've been out of work for a while, and, and the news about job loss and the economy has you scared out of your mind. And, and you're here today, and you're asking the question, where's my hope? How is this all going to unfold? Will we get through? Will I be able to provide for my family? You know, maybe <clears throat> for you it's uncertainty about future. And, and you graduated from high school and you went off to college and you got that degree and you started what you thought was going to be your dream job and now you're looking at square in the eyes going, really, this is it? I mean, this is what I've spent all of my years of my life so far preparing for and I'm going to do this for the next 30 or the 40 years and you've invested all of this money and time and, and you've arrived and you're slightly disappointed. And you're wondering, is this it? Is this all that life has to offer? Is Jesus missing from your life? Is that the missing piece? I mean, Jesus gives us a reason to live, not only for when we die, but for now too. We get life through Jesus. We get significance and purpose through Jesus. Maybe for you, it's in the midst of pain right now. You know, it's a health crisis and and you've got a reason to fear for your life. I mean, Jesus promises us hope. He he promises us that guidance. And and not only to make things great in our life, but to also give us the strength to walk through sometimes what are the most difficult and darkest days. And some of you have been there and some of you are there right now. I I remember I was just out of high school. And I was at home and the phone rang. And my mom, excuse me, my mom answered the phone and, and she got off the phone and she immediately started crying and, you know, if you're a mom, I'm, I'm sure you'd be able to relate with my mom in this and the news that she discovered a, a guy that I had gone to kindergarten with and had known for my entire life and my parents had known his parents and my grandparents farmed with his parents and all this. So just a, a long time of relationship. A guy that I went to school with, same age, his name was Billy. Uh, he was driving home from work, freshman in college, uh, rural country roads, wasn't paying attention one day, went flying across the railroad track, smacked by a train and he initially survived the accident, and he was in the hospital. My mom had gotten this call that he was in a, a coma, and it didn't look good, but the machines were keeping him alive. And My mom encouraged me to, to go up to the hospital, and so I remember that next day going up to the hospital and getting up there. It was a Sunday night, and walking in, the room was really dark. His dad was there, and a bunch of his other closest friends gathered around, and Billy was still living, but... Uh, his parents were acknowledging that it really was probably only a matter of days before his life would be gone. And he died a couple of days later. And I remember going to the funeral home uh, just a couple of days after that for the funeral showing. And it, it was one of those showings you've been to before where the people were just lined up out the door. You know, a, a person, a family that made such an impression in so many people's lives that people came from everywhere you know, to pay their respects. And so I can remember getting in line all by myself. And I mean, I I was in line for well over an hour and just waiting. And and I was just thinking, you know, you couldn't help but get a little frustrated, like, you know, quit jabbering with them, you know, move on. They've got a ton of people to see. And I remember when I finally got to the front of the line and there were Billy's mom and dad, I, I discovered that it wasn't because of all of the people who were carrying on the conversation. It was actually his parents. I experienced it for myself when I stood there with his mom and dad next to their dead son's body as his mom and dad shared the message and the hope that they had in Jesus and that how they were able to cope as difficult as this news was with the death of their son because Jesus Christ was the Lord of their life. And while it didn't answer every question that they had, they knew their hope 
was in Jesus, that their son, that that was just simply his shell, that he was living with Christ and that they would go one day to be with him. And they were making absolutely certain that in that moment, every person that walked by their son's body heard the message of Jesus. That it's not just about this life. That death is not the end of us. But that with Jesus, with his death and his resurrection, death is now life. That we have a reason to live today and we have a reason to live for the future. You know, with Jesus, it's not just about what we accomplish in this life. It's not about death being the end of it all. Jesus conquered death with his resurrection. And because he died, you and I can have life right now. We can find a reason to live in the very best days and in the very worst days of this life. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus, knowing that he would die and be resurrected, he said to a woman, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then Jesus follows up with a question, and he asks, do you believe this? And that's where we end today. That's your question. Do you believe this? It's a yes or no answer for you. Do you believe this? That Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, that he is our purpose, that he is our hope, that he is our significance. You know, in just a few minutes, we're going to baptize a number of people, you know, right here in in this pool. And each person that comes forward today has a story. You know, they've invited Jesus Christ to be their Lord of their life, and they want Jesus, not just for the future, but they want Jesus in their life right now. And the temptation for you will be to sit there and think and to watch for yourselves and clap and applaud and say, wow, I'm so excited what they're doing for themselves. But the question for you today is, do you believe this? You know, does your moment when you were baptized take you to a place where you're reminded that Jesus Christ has given me life, or if you've never done it before? Would you be willing to say yes to him? What about you? I mean, it's not about just how neat is it for them. But what about it for you? What about Jesus for you? Will you bow your heads with me? You know, with your your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you this. It's really the question for today. What about you? What about Jesus for you? Do you believe this? I mean, when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, I I want you to know that he died for you. You know, he died for the sins of the world, yes. He, He died for the people of this world, yes. But I want to invite you to personalize it for just a moment. To be able to say in your mind and in your heart that Jesus Christ died for me. And so let it be about your life right now in this place, in your space. Just you. Imagine Jesus on the cross. And let his thoughts be of you. Let his motivation be for you. Your life, your pain, your story, your joy, your challenges, your great ups and downs, your fears, that Jesus died, he did this for you. And he's offering you life this morning. If you'd only take it. Why would you hold back? What's preventing you from taking this? Our God in heaven, we say thank you today. 
Thank you for loving us. We say thank you for staying on the cross when you could have come down from that cross. We thank you that you loved us so much that your power stretched beyond the grave. Thank you for giving us the hope for this life and hope for our life in the future. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus as our great resurrection and our life. And we thank you for how deeply and passionately you love us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.